The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. A hearing in the case of a man who is trying to stop Governor Ralph Northam from taking down the General Robert E. Lee Monument is scheduled for Thursday afternoon. William C. Gregory, a descendant of the family who gifted the property to the state in 1890, sued Northam last month. He argues the state is required to maintain the statue based on the 19th century deed. Richmond Circuit Court Judge Bradley B. Cavito ruled last month that Northam can't move the statue on Monument Avenue until the legal fight is resolved. Cavito has since recused himself from the case. Attorney General Mark Herring is asking Judge W. Riley Marchant, who has taken over the case, to dissolve the temporary injunction. Virginia Senator Tim Kaine is leading a push to rename Army bases named after Confederate soldiers. The Democrat says he has enough Republican votes to pass the name changes as part of a defense package. President Trump has threatened to veto the bill, but Kaine told reporters on Wednesday that would be a mistake. I think this would be a veto that would be overwritten. I hope the president will rethink that because the names of these long-gone Confederates are not more important than the defense of the nation or the, or the resources we make available to our troops. The House of Representatives passed a similar bill on Tuesday. Three of the ten Army bases that would be renamed are located in Virginia. The Virginia House of Delegates had its first public hearing yesterday on police and criminal justice reform ahead of an August 18th special session. Whitney Evans reports. As demonstrations nationwide call for more police accountability, members of the Virginia Courts of Justice and Public Safety Committees heard from law enforcement and criminal justice experts about possible reforms. Law enforcement told committee members one of their biggest issues is getting problem officers out of the profession. Herndon Police Chief Maggie DeBoard. There is nothing more frustrating from a chief standpoint to fire an officer or have an officer resign in lieu of termination only to see that officer go to another agency and be hired. DeBoard says law enforcement officials need more authority to decertify an officer for repeated misconduct. These committees will continue meeting virtually in preparation for the special session. Whitney Evans, VPM News. City officials say there's been a small uptick in the number of positive coronavirus cases in Richmond. Dr. Danny Avula, who heads the Richmond Health Department, says they're seeing about 10 additional cases each day compared to just a couple weeks ago. Avula says the percentage of tests coming back positive is also slightly increasing, but there is some good news. We have not yet seen any uptick in hospitalizations or deaths. Hospitalizations are flat, and our last death in the city continues to be back in over a month now, June 19th. For now, Mayor LeVar Stoney says he's encouraging residents to keep wearing masks and social distancing. If there is a big increase in coronavirus cases, Stoney says he won't hesitate to reinstate restrictions in Richmond. The Richmond Public Library has closed two branches at Hull Street and North Avenue after staff members were exposed to the coronavirus. The director of library services, Scott Firestein, says those branches will remain closed for at least two weeks for testing staff and cleaning facilities. Earlier this month, Richmond's public libraries reopened some of their indoor spaces. Firestein says all branches will now return to curbside pickup only. Hanover teachers, parents, and students drove their cars to the school board offices yesterday to honk their horns in protest of the county's school reopening plans. Alan Rodriguez-Espinosa reports. 
Dozens of cars drove through the school board's parking lot, honking and holding signs out their windows. Hanover schools, unlike the nearby Richmond and Chesterfield school districts, will give families the option between online or in-person classes. A lot of parents are excited that their kids have a choice, but a lot of parents and teachers are upset that the teachers don't have a choice. That's Julie Stubblefield, a Hanover parent who helped organize the rally. She says many teachers she's spoken with are worried they'll get sick while teaching in person during a pandemic. The district is behaving in an irresponsible and reckless way by not considering their greatest asset, which is their educators. Hanover students who attend school in person in the fall will be required to wear face masks and maintain at least three feet of social distance. Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, VPM News. COVID-19 is a particular challenge to low-income veterans. WHRV's Paul Bebo explains how one organization is helping. COVID-19 shortages are an annoyance for many, but for vets living on fixed incomes, they pose a difficult problem. Instead of buying the generic brand of something, you had to buy a better brand, or instead of buying um, a certain kind of meat, you had to get a steak. And so some of those things just really kind of strained their financial situation. Amy Palmer is the CEO of Soldiers Angels. It's a national nonprofit that provides a variety of supplies for veterans and their families. And in Hampton Roads, the group has also helped military personnel waiting to respond to the crisis. We also had quite a few, the um, young ones, the young sailors that were um, kept to their dorms. They couldn't leave their dorms um, in the early stages. And so there were lots of things that they needed, you know, handheld games and snacks and other things. Palmer says anyone can help support vets virtually. For more information, go to soldiersangels.org. Paul Bebo, VPM News. Dr. Oliver Hill Jr. died this month at the age of 70. He was a professor of psychology at Virginia State University and a renowned educator. Hill is remembered for his research on learning, expanding access to quality education, and his support of the LGBTQ community. Patrick Larson has this remembrance. Dr. Oliver Hill Jr. was known among friends as brilliant and down-to-earth in equal measure. He taught me how to be humble, even in victory. Transcendent, calm, knowledgeable, and intelligent. I felt like I was meeting a giant who was ready to be my friend. Hill never strayed far from the principles his parents taught him. He was born into the civil rights movement. His father, the lawyer Oliver Hill Sr., helped lead the years-long effort to overturn the separate but equal doctrine in Brown v. Board of Education. Hill spoke with the Library of Congress in 2013. We, as a result, uh, would have a lot of threats coming in over the telephone, and so I wasn't allowed to answer the phone for a long time mm. in the evenings. Uh, mm-hmm. We even had a cross burned on our yard one time. Hill did not end up following his father into legal work, but the influence of his upbringing was clear. Hill saw a quality education as a civil right. Dr. Reginald Hopkins worked with Hill in the VSU psychology department, where Hill researched teaching and learning strategies for math curriculum. His work was often inspired by his own meditation and mindfulness practices. I could say that he had a a very unique or uncommon striving, uh, a striving to pursue social justice uh, at all levels of behavior. Hill pursued that by working to bring the Algebra Project to Petersburg. The nationwide program uses math literacy as an organizing tool to improve overall public education. The program began in 2007, and by 2010, all but one of the schools were accredited. David Dennis Sr. leads the Southern Initiative Algebra Project and is a longtime civil rights activist. 
He says implementing the program was long, difficult work, but Hill never gave up. I watched him get knocked down, and he would get back up and smile and say, maybe next time. Hopkins says one of his most cherished memories is when Hill asked him to help lead the project. Because it gives us the opportunity to continue his vision. Another colleague, Ted Lewis, recalls the first time they met Hill. And I think that I had an image of who this man was. But he came in and shook my hand and said, Hi, I'm Duke. It's nice to meet you. And he just made me feel at home. Lewis heads Side by Side, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting LGBTQ Virginia youth where Hill was a board member. The two worked together on fostering a safe environment for students at VSU. He was very much a visible ally. And that makes a huge difference when you're trying to make change. And it makes a huge difference when you're trying to build allyship. In 2013, VSU students started an annual Pride Ball. And Dr. Hill and his wife, Dr. Renee Hill, were there every year. And they would dance, and they would laugh, and they would have fun, and they would tip the drag queens, and they were a full part of the community. Shortly before his death, Hill said he felt heartened by the size and diversity of protests following the killing of George Floyd. And everybody is starting to get what black people have been talking about for ages. In an interview with the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Hill applauded demonstrators for asking questions about policing, power structures, and systemic racism. He said he was hopeful that removing Confederate monuments is just the start of systemic change. You know, one day people were against taking them down, and the next day there was a change. And I think those kinds of moments are uh, turning points in history. Wherever he worked, friends and colleagues say Hill was making a difference. And I think that Dr. Hill lived into that legacy of the Hill name. I will always remember his calmness and his commitment to black youth. Friends and family plan to memorialize Hill at Scott's funeral home. The service will be streamed online. Patrick Larson, VPM News. All of the stories you've heard can be found at vpm.org slash news. This has been the Daily VPM Newscast. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.